are back with another episode of Underrated. I'm Lefty. And I'm Bo. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Can't complain. How about you? Oh, you know, not too bad. You know, we've got a little bit of a different episode today. You know, later on, we're going to be joined by a very special guest. But first, let's jump into some headlines. You know, Bo, uh, we're, we're starting college football bowl season tomorrow. Yeah. And it brings to mind an article I read earlier stating that, you know, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees will be joining Purdue as a interim coach just for their bowl game. Wow. Fresh off know. a lightning strike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how well that will actually play out. But do you like the idea of star players returning to their universities for bowl games? I think it's good. I think it's uh I think it's fun. I mean if they're if they're into it, I think the players um depending on what era they're from, you know, it's hard to say, right? Like who, you know, at this age got a lot of time to watch Drew Brees. I mean, so, I mean, it's, he's fairly recent. It's not like he's, yeah, yeah. he's been out of the game for a long time. So, you know, this makes sense. If Joe Namath wanted to go back to wherever, <laughs> I I think that's a little far-fetched. But, um, yeah, I like that. I, I like the idea. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me like it's an easy way to add a little more fun and excitement to what can be pretty meaningless games for basically every school outside of the f- playoff system right exactly yeah i think that i i think it adds uh, another you know fun angle and uh, just some some new life you know into like you said probably a, a meaningless game you know i don't yeah, think it, yeah it's really a big thing so but i'd like to see more of that actually yeah yeah for sure it could be it could be lots of fun it could just be a, a weird media distraction it could be depending depending yeah. on who it is and where it's at yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see if he's, like, mic'd up or, or something. That would be kind like, of fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how fun it would be, but yeah. it would be interesting. Yeah. It would be interesting. You know, in, in other college football news, I don't know if you saw the, the coaching announcement today, but Bobby Petrino is back in Division One college football after being hired as an offensive coordinator at UNLV after his exit from Louisville. Are you surprised to see him back? I am. I thought we were past this. I don't understand. You know, I mean, are we just, are we out of options? Do we just not have any other options out there? I have to say that Bobby Petrino historically is probably one of the worst people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just based on his track record of just screwing up in his personal life. Um, You know, so um, it's, it's really funny to me when we just recycle these not just, you know, regular coach. We're talking about old coaches, coaches yeah, that have been around yeah. the game for a long time. And again, UNLV, I don't know if this is more a PR move to get a little bit more, you know, um, awareness built on the school's program and, and try to help with recruiting and whatnot. But even so, I don't, I, I don't see Bobby Petrino being a help to, to any sort of situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's super weird, but you know, well, well, not the same sports. This comes literally just a day after, the NWSL Players Association released another damning report showing that oh, coaches with long histories of abuse were rehired and kind of passed around the league. Um, and just a few days after, you know, Texas basketball coach Chris Beard was arrested on domestic violence charges. Yeah. Do you think more should be done to vet coaches? What do you, what do you think the solution to the industry is? You know, it, it's it's clearly that it's clearly rampant with lots of shitty people. Sure. You know, it's sort of a not to get too political and too deep, but it's a systematic issue, right? It's, it's almost as like we're talking about the police department here. 
you know um it's it's so deeply rooted that in so many of these cases it's it's there's more thought putting into giving somebody another chance as opposed to doing their due diligence and i think that's a common mistake that we continue to make here uh, especially in in sports um whether we like it or not um most of these coaches it's almost as if it's a long-standing fraternity right you yeah, know yeah there's a, it's just one of those things and you see the continued cover-ups and i do think it's it's headed in a different direction and we've seen improvements over the years and we see things like this happening but still um i i really firmly believe that you know, it's 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 more deeply rooted than we can really understand or put our finger on. Unfortunately, you know, it's going to take a lot to try to prevent this from happening in the future. You know, I mean, it's happening as we speak right now. We just don't know it. You know, and that's the that's the truth. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, Petrino getting hired yet again after all of his, you know, it's perfect nonsense. Uh, is is just another reminder that you know, long way to go in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. Again, you know, uh, you know, I see obviously Barry Odom is the coach of UNLV, you know, former Mizzou head coach and whatnot. You know, um, these are this is in recent years. He, you know, he's he's not that old. I think he's probably in his late 40s, whatnot. But a guy like Petrino, I just don't see a need with so many great minds and sports. We're continuing to just bring this back and you know, again, recycle this culture that's just so bad that we need to get out of the game and move from. Um, but yeah, definitely. For sure. So kind of switching gears, um, you know, we've seen a record amount of money being spent on MLB free agents over the past couple of weeks. Wow. Th- yeah. th- does this surprise you? Do you think more owners are going to, you know, maintain the arms race? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me just based on what's been happening in the last couple of years. It seems like, you know, you have your big market teams that are just going to spend an exuberant amount of money. I mean, we, we saw another signing today, you know, with the Yankees um, and, and Carlos Rodon. Um, I think this is going to continue to happen. I mean, who spent the most money this offseason so far, right? Um, you know, we're talking what the Padres and the... Uh, you know the Yankees, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. Phillies, I mean, and you know the Rangers. We're talking about big markets here. So, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I believe that kind of San Diego has been historically considered a small market team, so they're kind of yeah. blowing up that entire idea. You know, yeah. when you when you're talking about uh, owners that are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. Yeah. Does market size even matter? Is that a right. is that a is that a real thing or just a a, a talking point? Right. And we have to remember something too, you know, I, I think just to remind the fans out there, just from what we've read, really the payroll has no, no real correlation with ticket prices that, you know, we've seen and, you know, just from looking into this and whatnot, because it's, you know, there's a bunch of different factors that go into actual ticket pricing. It's, it's not payroll, but you know, I, so it's not going to, you know, somebody's not going to they're gonna spend $500 million and you you have to worry about spending more money. That's just going to happen anyways, you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think we're going to continue to see this, but this baseball money is crazy. This is a yeah. crazy amount of money. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, revenue for baseball comes from, you know, media, 
the the TV deals, things like that. It, it has no no bearing on on prices for the consumer, right? Um, and and it, it's it's pretty odd to see so many people concerned with how much their teams are spending when right. when the money is it's just fictional. It doesn't exist. It it, it doesn't matter in any tangible way. It's right. it's not a barrier to anything in the future. It's just a number. I mean, what's the real fear when you're when you're spending money? A luxury tax? I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, you things know, that's, that don't that's really real fear, right? Yeah, things that don't even impact, you know, fans. Yeah. People people act like spending money on free agents is somehow prohibitive in the future, but that that's really not the case for any owner willing to spend the money. It, it's a right. narrative that has been pushed quite a bit by ownership, but it, it's not a thing that that truly exists. You know, right. when we see the valuations of these teams increasing for literally no reason other than media contracts, you know, sure, you know, th- there's no reason that that the Oakland Athletics should should increase in value by a hundred million dollars a year, like clockwork, <laughs> despite the right. fact that you know investment into the team is going down. You know, sure. the fans are being held hostage by an owner who basically refuses to to do anything for the team but the team is still worth more money than it's ever been worth so right exactly it, it, it's really just just nonsense that's a good point yeah yeah i, I think uh, the only other thing that's on anyone's mind is you know bad contracts or contracts that'll prohibit the team uh to further down the line from building and whatnot but i feel like the majority of that you know comes with bad trades and just overall you know a, a poor farm system and development um so yeah i mean it, people were talking about you know cardinals fans were talking about oh hey glad we're not one of the idiots who spent a bunch of money um yeah, those, those idiots, those idiots are, are gonna win world series yeah. <laughs> you know world exactly. series ring so <laughs> yeah well i mean and, and you and you think about you know historically prohibitive contracts if that were were real, right? You would see long-term contracts being avoided by those teams that are saddled in the in the later years of those contracts. Right. Did yeah. did a massive contract to Albert Pujols prevent, you know, the Angels from signing uh, Anthony Rendon a few years ago to another right. historic contract? No. Did it no. prevent? Did Miguel Cabrera's like record extension uh, keep the Tigers from signing Javier Baez last year to another you know massive deal? No. These no. these things don't exist right exactly they were just bad teams that have been poorly managed uh, you know that's what their issues were you know yeah yeah clearly there are contracts that are poor to begin with you know when, when a player that that isn't very good gets signed to a long-term high money deal sure like, those can be detrimental but but long-term high money contracts to superstars just just aren't it right right it's it's not the money it's just you know uh really we're looking at time frame right we're looking at players who are in their early 30s getting six seven year contracts and it depreciates immediately as they soon that they they sign the dotted line right so i i mean those are the things that we look at really and should care about yeah i mean but at the same time with with this inflation right the the bet is that in eight years the amount of money that are that's being spent on these veterans that you know maybe aren't super solid at that time, you know, just just won't matter. Right, exactly. The, it, it, the it'll balance out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of kind of switching gears here, jumping into our main story. I wanted to kind of switch up the entire entire episode a bit. You know, we've talked about the World Baseball Classic a few times in the past, mm-hmm. including when we talked about you know Daisuke Matsuzaka being arguably the greatest athlete to compete in the tournament. 
but I thought it might be worthy of a deeper dive. You know, one under-discussed aspect of the tournament that many teams, you know, are not from what you consider traditional baseball powerhouses. You know, while the U.S., sure. Japan, and, you know, many Caribbean nations have a storied baseball history, there are even more nations that, you know, are much newer to the sport. One nation that drew a lot of interest during qualifying for the World Baseball Classic earlier this year was Pakistan. While they didn't have the most successful qualifying, the extreme age range of their roster was impressive and just showed how many people are falling in love with the game of baseball in the nation. You know, that said, it is my pleasure to introduce our guest today, a member of the Pakistan national team and the youngest player in the World Baseball Classic qualifying, Aman Khan. Aman Khan is a 16-year-old pitcher from Chicago who made the jump from playing JV baseball at Lane Tech to pitching for Pakistan in Panama as they attempted to qualify for the World Baseball Classic. Aman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Of course, of course. You know, so I've, I've read a bit about how you were recruited for the Pakistan Baseball Federation via Twitter. What was that process like? Um, so we were out in Indiana for a tournament with my summer team called Elite Baseball Training, and I had a pretty good outing. I was five innings, zero earned runs, so I went to Twitter after it, and uh, I posted my outing, and, uh, you know, Twitter's just basically how athletes are able to reach out to college coaches and get, you know, their name out, so... One of the dads found me from there and he hit up the Federation and was like, you know, I found someone, uh, here's like some contact info. They reached out and then we kind of just hit it off from there. So before they reached out to you, was representing Pakistan something that was on your radar at all as a player? Uh, I mean, as a little kid, I remember like commenting on, uh, I saw it on YouTube. So I'm like, you know, like, how do I join this team? And then like four years later, I look back and then I look at the comments and it's my comment. So yeah, I've, I've always wanted to play for my country. You know, it's, it's something like, it, it's something you'll really never get to experience, you know, like, cause it's, 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 it was just so surreal out there to be able to compete with, you know, other Pakistanis that you didn't know that were out there. So it was awesome. Aman, I saw I saw one of the clips from one of your last outings. You know, obviously I read your grandparents were the first to come over from from Pakistan and your family. And so, talk to us a little bit about Pakistani culture. You know, has that played like a huge role in your life growing up? Um. So my dad was born in like the U.S. He's from St. Louis. I was born in St. Louis, and my mom is from Pakistan, and she oh, moved wow. over here. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're still pretty rooted back home. So, like, I'm heading out there this December, you know, to kind of go see family. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Pakistani yeah, culture yeah. is still in me, and I kind of want to keep it that way for the rest of my life just because, you know, that's kind of what makes me me. Well, definitely. I'm from St. Louis, too. So that's, oh, really? that's, that's great. I'm, to, I'm to, to the local one. Yeah. I just say St. Louis. Oh, so that's I, awesome, man. You know where uh, Centralia, Illinois is? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. not far from uh, from downtown at all, man. Yeah, so you guys did a, a Gary Gaetti doc like segment, and we're from the same town, yeah. so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> exactly, that's hilarious. Yeah, so you know you're you're the youngest on on the team. Uh, you were youngest on the team at 16, obviously, but this is a really diverse group of group of guys, and we're talking about background and age and whatnot. You know, I read a quote from your teammate uh, Osmad Ahmad. You know, and I, I think he's 43 years old, right? I mean, he's I mean, he's, he's older than some of the dads on that team, you know? So I, I think you also have uh, someone who's older than him. You know, how, what was it like, you know, playing with those guys? Were, did they become mentors? How, how, how was that? Um, 
I mean, honestly, everyone out there, I uh, I look up to all the players. You know, you kind of when I was in the bullpen, I kind of sat back and was like, you know, I'm gonna speak up. I'm gonna talk to these guys, and I was able to talk to a couple guys in the bullpen that didn't speak very much English. So I had to like do it in our yeah, language yeah. and convert it into like an English type of form for like both of us to kind of communicate. Sure, and you kind sure. of hear, you know, they picked up the game at 20 years old, are now competing at like 28, 29, you know, like 88, 87 type stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy to be able to pick up baseball at that age and to kind of, you know, progress was kind of crazy to me. And I mean, I, I met a lot of guys out there that I kind of was able to pick up on. So it was, it was awesome. Yeah, awesome. totally. What, what was preparation for the for the qualifying like? I know a lot of you, you know, a lot of players came from Pakistan. Uh, there were a couple of players from the United States. Um, I imagine that practicing and, you know, just putting together a game plan was a little difficult. Uh, right. So preparation. Um, so I think I I got hit up, I think, July. So, you know, during that July to uh, late September was, you know, pretty stressful because, you know, I had like you know, I was prepping for an international tournament against top prospects, ex-major leaguers, a World Series champion. So it's kind of in my head, like, you know, like I was working out two times a day, taking in a crap ton of calories, protein. Like I just kind of, it's, it's, I feel like when it hit me there, it was all my like surrounding group that kind of pushed me to get to where I was able to compete at that time. Totally. What, what was the jump like from, you know, like JV baseball to uh, a world tournament? Uh, I mean, honestly... It was crazy, but when I stepped on that mound, I was so locked in, I felt like, because I went three pitches, two outs, and, you know, I was kind of like, okay, like, now I'm kind of cruising, and then that was just the issue, you know, you took, take your foot off the brake a little bit, and then, you know, sort of walking guys, but, you know, it's it's kind of all just a mental thing when you step on that mound, you're ready to, like, go out and compete. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, Amon, so you're a young athlete, and we all have, you know, professionals we really, we really want to be like. Who are some of the players you pay a lot of attention to in Major League Baseball? Do you, is there anybody you, you try to model your game after? Um, you know, diehard Cardinal fans. So I picked up a lot on Molina. I was a catcher growing up. So kind of his, you know, his longevity and just to be able to watch him compete out there at such an old age. And then you have, you know, Wayno. Like he doesn't throw the hardest, but you know, his off speed, his curveball is kind of what makes him. So to be able to watch those two, got to go back and forth. You watch Pujols this year. You know, it's just kind of see, like, you've got young studs, like, you got, like, Duran from the Twins. So it's, like, every single guy that I've been kind of able to, like, jot down notes in my notebook has kind of, like, what I've been trying to model my game as to become, like, you know, Amon Khan. So just to be able to pick up on a bunch of studs has been very helpful. Definitely. So so speaking of, you know, major league players, what's next for you? Do you plan to pursue baseball in college? Do you have major league aspirations? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. College baseball is definitely going to happen. I'm talking to schools right now. So just kind of, you know, finding the right fit for that. And then uh, if I'm able to continue to play after college, that would for sure be uh, what I'm going to do. Yeah. Can you, can you tell us who's, uh, who's in your top three uh, as far as colleges go? Or, or do you want to keep that to yourself? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll put schools that I like, I'm, I want to stay in state. So like, you know, U of I, Illinois state and like Northern Illinois, sure. I kind of like all those three schools have been great. UIC solid too. all those schools. Definitely. Well, you know, it's, it's completely feasible. Obviously, you know, you think about guys like, uh, Julio 
Arias, you know, from the Dodgers. I mean, he made his debut at 19. Obviously, Bryce Harper, you know, uh, you see Juan Soto now and Manny Machado, guys like that. They were all teenagers at their first, you know, MLB at bats. So that's only a few years away. But, you know, my final question from my side is with you living over in Illinois, like, you know, uh, you're still a Cardinals fan, right? You haven't veered towards any teams in Chicago, have you? Oh no way! I, I like. I mean, okay. I I, 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 it's really the Cubs that I was worried about. You know, uh, Lefty's actually a huge lifelong White Sox fan. I'm a lifelong Cardinals fan. So, uh, you know, we uh, we both share a hatred we'll for the Cubs. That, so yeah. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I've only got a, another question here. Um, you know, so you, you've talked about how you know your your connection growing up with Pakistan has always been pretty strong, but you did grow up you know in Illinois. Has this, uh, you know, experience of representing Pakistan strengthened your connection with the country? Uh, no doubt. I mean, so after the tournament, um, you know, I, I got a lot of love from, you know, Pakistani Americans from here, you know, like 10 year old, 11 year old kids on Instagram shooting me DMs. Got a lot of love from Pakistanis back home who are like trying to pick up the game. So to be able to have like those guys kind of in my corner meant a lot. And when I go down to Pakistan, I'm going to be helping out with like their little like like farm system so just to kind of you know help those kids pick up like you know like this is what you guys should be doing for warm-ups and like throwing regimens like stuff like that yeah for sure i mean it it just only made it better for me yeah totally um so i guess i guess just kind of building off that when you talk about throwing regimens um is there is there a big difference i don't know how familiar you are actually but i did read like a lot of the pitchers came from cricket is there is there a big kind of structural difference between throwing a cricket ball and a baseball uh to be honest i've never thrown a cricket ball in my life um <laughs> i think the pitchers from our side grew up as baseball players which is you know pretty okay say, but uh yeah i, I i'm not too i know it's like kind of over the top so i'm not i'll probably try it out this december so awesome awesome yeah uh, well, you know, thank you so much for joining us. It was great talking with you. Um, I guess before we sign off, um, do you have any predictions for the World Baseball Classic for, you know, this tournament this year or, um, you know, the future of Pakistan baseball? Uh, my predictions for the upcoming World Baseball Classic, I think it'll be the Dominican and uh, USA in the finals if, like, if that's how the seating kind of ends up. Um, sure. And then... Yeah. For the future of Pakistan baseball, I just hope, you know, we continue to get more um, studs to continue to play out because I'm not sure if you guys heard, like, um, our pitchers came off of a plane the day of the game, got to Panama, an hour later suited up and pitched. So it's kind of like if we're able to figure out kind of like to be able to get everyone at the same (laughs) time would be... Uh, ideal for you know continuing to compete totally totally yeah i'm sure that a a few days of preparation just you know on the ground somewhere would do wonders for the whole team no doubt yeah cool so do you think you'll you'll qualify you'll be 20 you'll uh you'll be a great college pitcher by that time you think uh you think pakistan has a chance in four years um uh, no doubt i feel like the game's just only evolving down there and you i was able to talk to a bunch of reporters out there and uh you know they're like they were telling me they're like yeah the next country up is pakistan so i'm like yeah you guys are saying this just to say it but then the more you go on and talk to them it's like you know it's kind of a thing so just to be able to have like you know maybe some pakistani americans um 
you know, add more of those guys that are collegiate professional guys to the team and then mix it in with some of the Pakistanis from Pakistan would be kind of what what would work out for the next one. So I'm just super excited for the next time. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, thank you again for joining us. Uh, best of luck in your upcoming, uh, you know, high school season. Hopefully you get some great college offers and we look forward to seeing you in the World Baseball Classic in four years. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on you, Amon. We're rooting for you, man. For sure. Thank you. You know, Bo, so, you know, talking to Amon really illuminated just how meaningful this level of international baseball is, yeah. just how much preparation goes into the tournament and what is, you know, typically the off season. All right. After talking with Amon and circling back to our conversation about Matsuzaka in which, you know, he, he kind of hurt his MLB career by participating in the, in the tournament, you know, um, you know, do you think the World Baseball Classic is underrated? I do. I think the World Baseball Classic is, you know, and obviously with the time in between the World Baseball Classics, I, I really feel like, you know, it's a platform for so many players who, you know, have the talent, uh, who may not get the opportunity to be out there. And we've got, you know, a wide range. You, you mentioned this earlier. We have a wide range. You know, you've got... You've got the Czech Republic, you've got Korea, you've got, you know, Israel, Nicaragua, teams like that, Great Britain even, right, that don't have this storied baseball history, right? Yeah, yeah, the, you know? the infrastructure for the sport is kind of developing versus, you know, having existed for 100 years like some other countries. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that there's a lack of talent. But this is a great platform, as, you know, many other, you know, uh, global tournaments to see that talent. I, I, I absolutely think it's, a, it's sort of underrated and it, it always does fly under the radar. I think that it unfairly kind of falls into that, I don't want to say all-star game mentality, but people have to remember that they are playing for something. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, there, there, there's a lot that goes into this, and as we said with our interview with Aman, there's a lot of preparation. This is a, this is a you know a, a serious time, and you know there's a lot of just you know, uh, just a lot of good feelings, you know, to represent your country and to be there, and you know it's it, it is meaningful meaningful for a lot of reasons, just more than baseball, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about how, you know, spoiled we are as Americans. You know, we call the World Series in Major League Baseball the World Series, the World, the World Series. Championship. But, you know, it, it, it's when, when we look at players like Dice K, who, you know, hurt his career in the MLB by wanting to pitch in this tournament, you know, he, he hurt his stamina and arm. Um, just to play in a preseason tournament that at that time wasn't wasn't super well developed, right? Um, and it's just a testament to you know how meaningful the games are, um, and you know we're we're watching the World Cup right now. Um, do you, do you think there's any possibility that the World Baseball Classic uh, achieves the same status for baseball? I mean, we've got the World Series and there's also the Olympics, but the Olympics are for baseball are kind of taken a little less seriously just like you know soccer in the olympics uh tends to be much less serious than say the world cup sure uh, sure so do you think the world baseball classic kind of is elevated to that same stature sometime in the future uh, yeah i'd like to see it i'm not sure you know it's hard to say we like i just mentioned you know so, a lot of these countries you know when we're talking about you know whether it's you know, Canada or, or Great Britain or, you know, places like that, uh, Czech Republic, 
you know, what's the following? What, what is the fan base like, as opposed to, you know, looking at, you know, uh, football where you've, it's just global sport. It's everywhere. You know, it's in the poorest of the poor countries and the, you know, the, the, the richest areas in, in the world. Right. So, I mean, it's played everywhere. Just the awareness on the sport itself is just much bigger and it's, it's deeply rooted within their, you know, society. Um, I'd like to see it get there, but I think it would be a while. Um, but I would love to see some, you know, I, I would love to see some momentum built off of, you know, uh, the world baseball classic here. And, um, I think it's going to be a good showing. You know that United States roster is absolutely stacked. Yeah, and yeah. New players I mean, I being announced every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it also comes during an interesting time in the year. You know, early, early spring, late winter. Um, there's right. not a lot going on in the sports world. It's a good time. It's a, it's, it's a good time uh, for you know because you know so many, especially baseball fans. I mean, you and I talk about it. It's like you're ready for baseball. Come, yeah. come that time, man. I mean, you're already dying for baseball to start back up. So, you know, I hope that same energy is put into actually, you know, turning on some of these games because I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, well, and I think that a lot of maybe American baseball fans tend to underestimate how meaningful it is. I mean, right. obviously we talked about the ice K, but I, I mean, this is anecdotal, but I, during the last baseball classic, I was in little podunk town in pennsylvania mm-hmm. and i just by happenstance walked into a bar right uh you know as a game ended in costa rica had won and in a little tiny rural town in pennsylvania this entire bar was filled with fans of costa rica <laughs> who immediately burst out like in costa rican chants when they won the game which wow. was just just a surreal experience because sure. the last thing i expected some like podunk bar um yeah of course you know but uh you know it it truly is meaningful to a lot of a lot of fans outside the united states yeah no that's a great story i um with everything happening you know we feel we sometimes tend to forget just how diverse you know the population is in the u.s and you know um so many fans um are wanting to root for their their home country and there's there should be a platform for everyone and uh, you know i think events like this you know, tournaments like this bring everyone together. I think it's really fun. I mean, how many, how many people in the World Cup are, are rooting for countries that aren't the U.S. Right? Of yeah, course. Yeah. I mean, this is happening everywhere, and I, I think it's really cool. Really cool. For sure. Yeah. It, it'll be great to it'll be great to see. You know, this has a as a better platform for for growth of the game. We talk a lot about how you know baseball is dying in the United States, but you know, events like this and tournaments like this that that celebrate you know, more than just shitty major league baseball owners or things like that. Um, (laughs) Exactly. I I think do a lot to inspire goodwill towards, towards the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree. Yeah. So, you know, I think we both agree that the world baseball classic is pretty underrated. Um, We're both, both excited to, to see what happens this year. And again, you know, thanks, thanks to Amon for coming on chatting about his, uh, you know, World Baseball Classic qualifying experience and uh, wish them with him and, you know, all of Pakistan lots of luck in the future. And yeah. I'm excited to see that team grow and, you know, succeed. Yeah, for sure. Especially for Amon. He's such a well-rounded young man. You know, it's 16 years old. Um, just a, a well-spoken and, and just balanced human being. Also a big Cardinals fan. So, you know, <laughs> got to keep that up there. For sure. For sure. 
<laughs> you know, circling back to the to the World Cup, uh, you know, we're down to the final two. You know, the underdogs know. in Croatia and Morocco both lost, unfortunately. And we're, we're left with Argentina and France in the final. Do you have any predictions or anything you'd like to see happen this weekend with the championship? Oh, man. I think Argentina's going all the way. Uh, the, I mean, France has got a great team. Um, but I, I, I feel like this is just a storybook ending here for Messi and uh, uh, that squad. And, um, man, your picks look really good here uh, from our our last episode so that's uh congratulations wow yeah yeah uh i i kind of hit the nail on the head there although i don't think i outright um you know called some of the winners i did i did say that i wanted to see it happen (laughs) right exactly exactly yeah Um, i mean i think you know argentina i mean they're just there's a lot, a lot of adaptability, you know, the way they're able to just reposition and, you know, um, just do things, you know, on the pitch. I, it's, it's been outstanding. It's been really, really fun to watch. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, God, you know, it's, it's the messy show. Well, it should be rightfully so. Yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, and do you, do you think he scores in this next match? You know, he's, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, you've got the leaderboard of all time scoring, but right. uh, he's he's one goal short of fifth all time tying, he'll tie Pele if he scores one more goal, right. which I think would be right. a, a, a fitting mark to, to end on. Yeah, I, I, I would love that. You know, a, a milestone, you know, during a, you know, a, a huge event and, you know, just a continued storied career, which is, you know quite a you know in my opinion depending on what he wants to do but quite a few years from being uh you know over so yeah we'll, yeah. we'll see i i don't think that uh you know he'll return to the world cup at 39 but uh you know it's been a great career um Absolutely. that said it's worth touching upon just how prolific you know francis mbappe has been yeah uh, do you know that he's only two goals short uh in world cup scoring of messi He's only I, no, two, I, two I, behind, and he's only 23 years old. That's incredible. You know, he, he could potentially, you know, play in, you know, by the time he's Messi's age, he could play in three more World Cups. Uh, that's unbelievable. I think, I think the record for all-time scoring is his to lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I would love to see that. He's such a fun player to watch. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, not just during the World Cup, obviously, but... Uh, you know, uh, I could absolutely, and I, I'd love to see it. Well, I mean, we're going to see a, a lot of other athletes here, you know, as time goes on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, th- it would be great. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just so hard to, to wrap your head around just how prolific he's been, you know. I know, Not, yeah. Nine World Cup goals already at 23 years old and a very long career ahead of him, you know. Definitely. I mean, he's he's... He's absolutely one of the main attractions out there, you know. So we'll, uh, well, we'll we'll see. You know, obviously we'll be watching here over the years, but uh, man, he's got a couple decades ahead of him of just yeah. you know uh, opportunities for some great success, and that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there's a a move in his future? You think there's any chance that uh, you know any of the the suitors are able to? pay whatever it costs to sign Kylian Mbappe. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it, right? I mean, it, uh, uh, it, if you're in his position, you know, um, 
I, I don't know, you know, obviously everyone's going to be a suitor, but you know, with PSG, they've, it's, they've, they've just had these superstars just pass through there, right? There, yeah. it's just been this pass through of just the, you know, historical athletes and, you know, everybody from Messi, you know, obviously Mbappe, Neymar, all these, these, uh, these great athletes. And this is just talking about in recent years, you know, we've not to forget about Ibrahimovic and even guys like David Beckham. It's just, uh, you know, a, a story club, but yeah, I think if I'm in his shoes, uh, you know, I, I want to continue to compete, but I want to continue to get paid. So yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine, cool. uh, you know, uh, uh, Mbappe, uh, Holland matchup in the, the Premier League. Oh wow! I mean, that would just that would blow everyone's minds. I think that's a matchup everyone's waiting for. For sure, for sure. So uh, you know, kind of following up on another conversation from last week that we had about uh, you know United States coach Greg Berhalter. Uh, some news came out this week, in which uh, you know Berhalter essentially aired team grievances at a, a very public conference, uh, and then was surprised that. Uh, he made statements in public and people shared those statements. Uh, so do you think there's any chance that the U.S. Soccer Federation sticks with Burhalter at this point? Absolutely not. I think that it wasn't so much that this dirty laundry got out. It's exactly what the dirty laundry was, is what, you know, is actually, um, and what has transpired here, you know, throwing a 20 year old kid under the bus and, you know, um, basically making decisions that were not smart. It just seems like there's a lot of ego here for Burhalter, and that's absolutely what we don't need. And now there's just a lot of bad press. So yeah, I don't think yeah. there's, I, I think this is the nail in the coffin. And if it's not, I think, I think everyone would be more shocked about that. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's so weird how divided fans are on this. Uh, yeah. You know, we're talking about, you know, Gio Reyna, who is, you know, literally a kid still, right? Right. Um, just being shit on by all kinds of fans for not being, I don't know, professional enough. Like, <laughs> like, just because you're very good at soccer at a young age does not mean that you have somehow, you know, developed your, your frontal lobe six years faster than the human body can do it. Right, right, exactly. You know, I read an article in the New York Times, and they compared this Berhalter Reyna situation to a few years back, Joe Torrey and Matt Kemp. And it was sort of the same situation where people were saying that Matt Kemp at that time, you know, in his early 20s, was a player who could get a manager fired, you know, um, just by doing whatever it is. But you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think they need to move on from Burhalter to save Reyna, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, he's got enormous upside, um, you know, more than any other, uh, you know, attacking U.S. player before him, in my opinion. So, you know, I mean, I get he's temperamental, but he's still a young man. And yeah. I mean, well, and it, the, it's, yeah. you know, it sounds like he was upset that before you know, he even arrived there. He was told by Berhalter that he wouldn't be playing. There's a role, right? Like I, I'd be pissed off too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's disappointing. You're, I mean, you're an outstanding player, and you're being told, "Hey, listen, it's one of the, it's one of these situations we continue to see across the board." We talk about it all the time with these coaches that come in, and 
want to play this seniority card and it's like you're playing to win put the yeah, best player yeah. out there like let's yeah. get over it well and, and we we even saw it in team selection right there were some questionable yeah. decisions there um in which it, it appeared that you know mls players were were favored over players playing internationally you know and leagues abroad right um which is just an odd decision like, really really it, you know it's worth noting, obviously, that that it is likely, right, that Burhalter received his job because his brother, right, had close connection was was a some kind of executive in the United States Soccer Federation. And, sure, sure, it, and basically had you know immense power to make that decision, despite the fact that that Greg is you know probably not qualified to coach any national team. Right, right? he had a small amount of success in Columbus um, right. <laughs> was, was fired from his only other job, right. Um, internationally. Um, and it was at a time that he, you know, he was hired at a time in which the soccer federation and MLS had closer ties and there was financial incentive to, to, to play and select those players, despite, despite them not being the most worthy and the most deserving of the, the best options. Yeah. It seems like, you know, Greg Berhalter uh, maintained that, you know, ideology well past the, the point that it was good for the United States and it was good for the team. It's good for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, and, and hopefully, you know, whoever is chosen to replace him, and hopefully there is a replacement coming in short order. Um, sure. it, it's somebody that, that has no allegiance to MLS and is, isn't trying to, you know, pad somebody else's, you know, pocketbook. Right. You know, there's ulterior motives of some sort. You know, on our last episode, we had this discussion, uh, the three of us, and we talked about, you know, what our thoughts were on Berhalter. And, you know, and and I turned around, you know, I said, listen, you know, as far as handling these young players and doing all this, this is great. And immediately, what, a day or two (laughs) after that, this all comes out. So I just want to, you know, say like, I completely missed the mark on this. And this is, this is exactly like proof of, of what you were saying on your end. Like, Hey, listen, you know, I mean, these players can handle themselves. Like, you know, culture is more about players wanting to play with each other and for each other, you know, in, in so many ways. It's not so much about, you know, abiding by a coach or a manager of some sort and things like that. And, and you really nailed it on the head. So, you know, I wanted to touch on that because this is a perfect example of what what's behind the curtain, right? And, yeah. Well, yeah. And it, it's also just so ironic, I guess, that, that all of this came out, you know, he aired these grievances about the team that, you know, talked shit about a kid Right. Um, and basically talked about how he was hands off, kind of wiped his hands of the situation and basically yeah. blamed it on the team while speaking at a, at, at a quote summit for moral leadership. Right. That's what the actual fuck. <laughs> I, I mean, and I think that is really all you need to know about him. And I think like we talked about, I think there's a lot of ego here and I think he was in this position and I think that he's just one of those managers or people who were, you know, or coaches or in that position who care more about outsmarting other people, you know, as opposed yeah. to actually yeah. winning. 
I'm going to stick to my guns. I don't want to adapt. I don't want to do this. My formula works and I'm going to prove it no matter what. And, you know, we saw kind of what happened there and we saw that from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, so kind of circling to American football, we mentioned bowl games earlier. Mm -hmm. Are there any games uh, this weekend or, you know, in the next week or two you're looking forward to? Yeah. Well, you know, American football, uh, we have a, one of those rare Saturday night games. Uh, the bills are taking on the dolphins in Buffalo and I think they're expecting five to six inches of snow possibly. Um, the only reason I'm pointing this out, not just as a bills fan, but you know, the, the bills played Miami earlier this year in Miami and they lost. And a big part of that game, players on both sides, not so much the Dolphins, it happened a couple times, but the Bills players were struggling with a lot of dehydration. They were cramping up. I've never seen anything like it. They were really struggling with the humidity down there. And um, we're just falling apart during the game. So now you have the polar opposite here, and now you're going to have the, you know, the snowball. So, you know, how, 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 does, how does Miami perform in, in this environment? It's been a tight AFC race. So uh, a, lot, a lot of Dolphins fans have come out of the woodwork this year. But uh, the way that football has gone this year, I love it. You know, at the beginning of the year, the, the Jets and the Giants were doing so good. And you've got guys like Al Michaels who really just, I mean, those guys, the Jets win a game, the Giants win a game, and the, the, they're America's teams all of a sudden. I just, it drives me nuts. But uh, now they've, uh, they've come down to earth, we'll say. Yeah, there there are a few things to me. You know, I don't I don't watch much uh, NFL sure, football, yeah. but I do, for whatever reason, continue to encounter clips of, you know, Mike McDaniel just saying dumb shit, and he is, the fact that so many people think that he is so clever and and smart and <laughs> it's unbelievable it, to it, me. It, it's unbelievable. It, it, it is remarkable. Um, just a just a very annoying coach um not another player another coach that you know i believe you know just as you touched upon thinks that he's smarter than everybody else but um is absolutely not (laughs) right right well you know the thing about you know uh mcdaniel is that you know he was fortunate enough to coach in an organization like you know san francisco and and now miami and you look at the players that are on the field for Miami. First of all, Miami had one of the best defenses, one of the top five defenses in the league last year. Okay, so that's already developed. The second thing is, okay, you can say whatever with Tua, but if you look at that backfield and you look at those receivers out there with Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, I mean, guys like that, even Gasecki, their tight end, these guys are ball players. They're performers, okay? sorry maybe you've done some work with with Tua um you know I mean he's I don't even know if his brain's still intact because you keep throwing him out there but what I will say is the team's performing at a high level that's great now in the past McDaniel yes did he care about analytics he absolutely did did he care about you know uh building around players and development yes absolutely still you've got we're not talking about a team that was two and, you know, 15 last year. We're talking about a competitive team, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. I mean, it's, it's you know, kind of the way that, uh, you know, John Gruden kind of faked his way into being an elite coach. Sure, you know, ta- Taking course. over a, 
a Buccaneers team that was already successful and already, you know, built for a championship. Right. Uh, very Absolutely. similar. But I, I, I have seen a lot. I, I just saw a clip of McDaniel um, yesterday. I, I think it was of him at, at, at practice just dancing. And uh, he's a freaking dork. That's number one. Number two. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, just when he speaks, it's just like. I mean, I would never know he was an NFL coach. I'll be honest with you. I would, I would never know if I, if I, I, if I would I never know that he's an adult. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, right there. Um, I mean, <laughs> well, and, and you know, as soon as they begin to struggle, that's gonna get super. Uh, oh, know, it's gonna blow up. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a real problem to to all of the all of the people that think that's kind of cute now. Uh, sure. Yeah. As, as soon as goes. as soon as uh, begins to struggle. Uh, be some some issues in south beach oh definitely um more than usual yeah so you're gonna watch the uh the uh the the big local bowl game for you this weekend cincinnati and louisville yeah of course i'm gonna i'm gonna check it out um obviously uh earlier this year i went to down to louisville to um watch Pitt and louisville play uh it's very odd too because the the Bearcats just hired Louisville's head coach as or their uh, uh, as as their head coach. Um, it's it's an odd situation, uh, you know. Um, so it, it definitely is going to be interesting here to turn on because there's a, you know, not just geographically, there's a lot of local connection here, and people are going to be into it a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll tune in, you know. Another Bobby Petrino uh, connection, <laughs> Jesus. Absolutely, you know, bookending this episode. <laughs> uh, it's going to be everything for us today. Uh, you can check out this episode and every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, go follow us on Twitter at Underrated Pod. That's at under underscore rated underscore pod. And on TikTok at the same username. Until next time. Mm-hmm.